I'm sad. Why? Because of Maker Faire. Uh, and Make. Yeah. My yeah. brother gave me the first four issues of Make in a box set for Christmas probably 12 years ago. Maybe somewhere around there. Not when they first came out, but like after the fact. And he gave me those. And I think he and my sister-in-law gave me a subscription at the same time. And I'd seen the magazine before, but I'd never actually had any of them or really looked through it. And so once I had those four, I was like, oh, this, and I've been getting them ever since. That's great. Mm. My first experience with Make, my sister got it for me on a newsstand. She's like, hey, you ever heard of this? You think this, this is something you should be involved in. And then a couple of years later, my buddy Desher, who knows Dale, he said, hey, you got to meet my buddy Dale. He makes this really cool magazine. And, and I never put two and two together. I never did get a chance to meet Dale, you know, through, through my buddy Desher. But then I got a, I, I signed up for Twitter when I did the TV show for Discovery Channel, they told me, you better get your name on Twitter before somebody else gets it. So I got my name on Twitter. And the very first thing I got was a tweet from the organizers at Maker Faire. They said, hey, we're going to be in New York. We just watched your TV show. You should come hang out with us. And I didn't realize the Maker yeah. Magazine and the Maker Faire were the same thing. So I got a direct message from somebody there on staff, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Morse. And uh, I answered it back. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. And then it was like a month later. And she's like, hey, you're going to be there tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, I forgot all about it. I was like, eh, you know what? Let me go. I totally had no idea what it was. I thought it was going to be like a craft fair. I didn't realize, like, because she... DM'd me from her personal account. I didn't realize it was like the same branding as that magazine that was kicking around my apartment for so long. Anyway, when I went, I was introduced to a whole new world that's that literally changed my life for the better. It's like I almost, you know, yeah. it sounds a little hokey, but it, I found that like I found my place, like where I really was always meant to be. The very first mm. time the three of us got to hang out was at Maker Fair. We'd already been Absolutely. doing the podcast, but we'd mm. never met in person. Yep. And my first impression, the first time I saw Jimmy in the flesh, you were <laughs> spray painting your name on the concrete. <laughs> and make the film. <laughs> and I was like, that's Jimmy Duresta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's a shame. For anybody that doesn't know, I don't know how you could be in this community and not have heard about it by now, but make and Maker Fair shut down all activities and laid off, I think, 22 people, all their staff. Yeah. Uh, last week. The magazine's and still so, going, right? Just the events? No, 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 the whole... I think everything's on thing. lockdown because without a staff, the magazine's got to be on hold, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I don't, I don't know. I don't um, have yeah. Inside dirt, but... Yeah. I mean, it, it sounded to me, from what I read, it sounded like um, everything just got paused. Everybody let go. And they're trying to... Instead of bankruptcy stuff, they're trying to figure out a way to, like... Uh, kind of keep the servers on and keep the website up so that that information can stay there for people and stuff. But I mean, I guess there's a possibility it could come back or like something could be re reorganized and something, but you know, it, it looks like financially it's been a downward slope for a really long time. And so mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's a shame. It's uh it's, We've talked about it, obviously. I brought it up last time we talked about how Maker Faire is like a little stale, you know, because we heard the rumblings that maybe the next year it was not going to be there. Now it's only a couple of weeks later, and it sounds like it's not going to be there. But uh, I wanted to open up the conversation with you guys. Like, let's say Maker Faire comes back. If it came back, um, what what would you like to see changed? What would you like to see to a listening audience, what would you like to see changed? <laughs> now, like, if you're going to go to make well, it, I, I know, like, I brought up a couple of ideas, and I, I actually have some more brainstorms on the few ideas I mentioned last time. But in general, I just wanted to just throw it out there. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I do want to talk about that, but I also want to acknowledge the fact that we have a bunch of friends who lost their jobs yeah. because of this. And that, I think, I mean, I, I love the idea of Make and I love Maker Fair. <clears throat> I think I'm actually a little bit more bummed out about those people. <laughs> when I think about, I mean, I've known several people that have worked to Make over the last several years have been laid off. There's been like this kind of wave of layoff, you yeah. know, as they've been trying to figure out how to make it work. And, you know, I've seen Donald and Tyler and a bunch of people just and like Jason just get let go because there was no way for them to afford to keep them on, like no fault of their own. And now Caleb and Mike and Sabrina and just these people that we know on a first name basis yep. are now out there looking for jobs. And they're extremely talented, extremely giving to the community. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I can do anything about that, except that you know, put the word out. And if anybody's looking for talented people to help you make awesome stuff, there's a, there's 22 people out there now who don't have a job who deserve a job. Um, well, I don't know. I don't really have anything with that, but it's that, that weighs bigger on me, I think, than like the, a magazine going away, you know, they don't want it to go away. They want to find a way to bring it back. So if we're looking at it in a positive view, maybe we can, if we talk about this here on the show and outside the show and when we're hanging out, maybe we can generate enough ideas, um, enough interest. Maybe we can get some investors involved or bring that back the sponsors. I think they lost Microsoft and Adafruit as corporate sponsors, and that was the, the killer. So if people – if it's part of the, the conversation in the community, there's a chance it could come back. And these people, these talented people – I would love to see them back doing what they're really good at. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, to your question, uh, do we want to talk about what we've been working on or do we just want to go into this? Because we kind of skipped that. But We could do that. Let's do that at the end. Okay. Cool. We'll switch it up just for the show. Uh, with, with, so we started to talk about this before we hit record and we decided to wait. You were going to say something, David, what you thought about Maker Faire and like what it was. And, and I don't remember the context there, but yeah. do you remember that thought? Could we start with that? Well, Jimmy brought up the fact that um, a lot of the influence that are getting people to Maker Faire are YouTubers. And, um, I, and I think that's – I agree with that to a point, but I think there's a huge audience that has no idea about the YouTubers that are just – Parents bring in their kids, uh, people who just I, associate I with, it with, with, with a fair. I think that's a huge part of the audience. I do think the the content creators is, is, is a big part, but I think more of it is just people who want to go to a fun thing, a fair, um, parents want an, an experience with their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Like when, you know, any of us walk around Maker Fair, there's a, a small percentage of the people there who know who we are and come talk to us and hang out and stuff. But then the rest of the time, you're passing by literally hundreds of thousands of people through the course of a weekend who have no idea who any of us are. And I think that speaks exactly to what you're saying. I think there's two separate, not separate, there's two events going on at a Mm -hmm. Maker Faire at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think the overlap year to year is is more, right? There's a lot more kids who happen to be watching YouTube and maybe see some videos in, in our space, and they happen to be there. Um, I think there's a lot of people who come just to meet the YouTube people and, you know, learn stuff and whatever. I mean, it, there's definitely multiple things happening. And so I think it would be 
and this is not what you're saying, Jimmy, but I think it would be really naive and kind of uh, self whatever to think that we are part of how that thing exists. I think we exist because of it. I think we totally. are able to do and, you know, be a part of it because that groundwork has been laid um, over the years. At my, my backstory is many people know this, but I saw, I met people at Maker Fair that particular weekend in 2011, that's September, 2011. And I, around the same exact time started making videos and I met a few people and, uh, I made a couple of videos in that same time frame. That was September, October, I think, is when I first started making videos. And then they started watching them. And then it was about a year later when they hired me to start making videos for their YouTube channel, which is a it's a great it's a great YouTube channel. I see their YouTube channel like tested, where it's a great collection of stuff and reviews. And uh, unfortunately, they just didn't put the the effort into it that I thought it deserved. I've had a couple of conversations with them over the years. I worked making videos for about four years. I made over a hundred videos for the, for their YouTube channel. And that's how I built my audience. So when you say we exist because of them, it's absolutely true in my case without, that's how my audience, I started siphoning their audience and my audience and we shared a huge audience. And that's how I started to grow my channel initially. And I did have conversations with them when I was at the end of my run making videos saying how they had a great resource with their channel and they need to hire someone that just works on the channel and cultivates it. And I said, test it as a perfect example of what make a fair channel should be. You know, make magazine YouTube channel should be like tested. You should be like a face of the channel, like an Adam. Uh, that is the person that comes and goes in and out of most of the videos, but there's a staff and they tried it, but I always felt, it always felt a little half hearted. It never felt like a full on effort. And that might've been because of the financial struggles that were going on behind the scenes. But uh, hopefully the YouTube channel sustains through this and that it doesn't get shut down. I don't like critiquing other people's work at all, but if I could critique the, their YouTube channel, it's kind of all over the place. With, That's what I'm saying. I said it needs to be curated by like one yeah, person for yeah. like five it, years. And yeah. that that's that was that was my critique. You know, you had like videos for little kids and then you had the videos for us uh, and then, you know, the stuff that I did. And it, it, it's almost like the All Me channel is another good example. You know, the All Me channel? That's the mm-hmm, channel mm-hmm. that actually, oh, I just stubbed my toe. I'm sorry. <laughs> My, I have no shoes on. Sitting down. You stubbed your toe sitting I down. just want to <laughs> kick my foot around the front of my chair and like caught my pinky toe on my table. Anyway, the All Me channel is a channel where you could see the blacksmith guys make all the the, the gaming weapons and uh, the guys from Baltimore Knife and Sword. And, and there's several other things. So the channel is basically like a television channel where there's various different shows going on and different things to tune into and know when they're going to be released, including mine. At the time when I was with, with Make, mine was one of those few things. But they, it was like you said, they didn't really have like a legitimate plan. It was just like, oh, whatever comes up. Oh, let's film this live event and put it on. The live events I always thought should never be posted because – it's very rare that a live event becomes uh, a tangibly good video. A live event is just a, a surveillance camera in the room. The audio is never good. Uh, there was a series there where they just kept posting live videos. And I was like, mm, live videos? Like, the minute I see live, I'm not going to watch it. There's no way I'm even going to watch it because I just, I'm just so used to live videos being horrible on anybody's channel. So like, the point I'm making is like they, there was a time there where 
I, it was a few years back, but they kept putting up live events from all around the world. And it was nice to be able to live stream and see some of that stuff, but it's, it's a little difficult to watch. So I guess the long point is, is that it sh- should be, should have been, and should be curated a little bit more succinct and a little bit more in line with what the community is doing and expecting to see. That's all. Yeah. I mean, and that's a hard, it's easy thing to say. It's a really hard thing to do. Cause totally. you think about the, kind of the breadth of content that's covered in the magazine. And then how do you translate that to video? How do you get all of that varied type of content produced by you and other people? And then to curate it and keep it up to date and to keep it interesting to the broad audience, you know, their audience has got to be more broad than any of ours put together. Yeah. Right. Because people are coming to that channel or that magazine from every single direction. Um, So, I mean, that's a, that's a great idea. Uh, I can imagine, especially being understaffed, that would be a really, really hard thing. Well, that's do. what I'm saying. When I was there, like I got, I had several editors throughout. It's like I, I would get an email. It's like, hey, I'm in charge now. I got, I'm in charge now. So I went through like maybe five people in four years, and uh, it was totally fine. I mean, you know, it didn't have any bearing on like the content I created. It just to me, it just seemed like there was a little bit of turmoil going on behind the scenes when suddenly I had a new person in charge of handling me or editing my, my web stories, whatever they, whatever they ended up being. But, um, the fairs themselves, I mean, a few people said they got a little stale and, and I, I brought up that idea a couple of weeks ago where I said it would be great if we saw all the vendors each making a part that went to a big assembly table and then the kids could put the parts together, you know, like a, a, even as basic as if everybody made the same exact puzzle piece Maybe it had their particular brand on it just so they get something out of it. But that puzzle piece could basically become a mat. Imagine if, like, somebody's water jetting something, somebody's 3D printing, and someone's CNCing, and those are the basics, but the various versions of each one of those things. Someone's laser cutting. And so you could make, like, a big mesh blanket out of all those puzzle pieces. And stuff like that where there's an interaction. There was always, for me, there was always a disconnect between the vendors, the food trucks, the Burning Man people, and then the kids. Like there was never like a mesh that like pulled all that together. And the idea I'm talking yeah. about, where like people could share in the pieces of something, that that to me, I mean, that at the very least seemed a little bit seems like it would be a little bit more communal. You know. So yeah, I mean, I think I think there's like a collection aspect to it that could be like what you're talking about, where you want. As a as a kid coming in, you want to be encouraged, or we want to encourage kids or attendees to go around and see stuff they wouldn't necessarily see. And one way to do that would be to collect a thing mm-hmm. to make a bigger thing, right? So if you have to go to all the vendors, you have to go all the the bazaar area, you have to go to at least two food trucks to get whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You don't want to require people to spend money, but you can get a puzzle piece is made, out of, uh, made out of made out of hot dogs. lamb meat. but like you want to encourage people to go around and be a part of more of the fair than just what you are used to because anybody who's into 3d printers is going to go to that one pavilion and spend their time there right they're going to miss out on all the handmade stuff and all of the you know the dark room and all the craziness that's there so yeah i agree there's probably some some way to do that to encourage people to see the whole fair and then they come away w- from it with a better idea of like what the fair is, not what the 3D printing pavilion is. Yeah. Or like a, whatever. You know? and, 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 maybe it's now we're brainstorming up some new ideas for when it comes back. 
the the idea of, of a magazine or a book for the day of the fair, the day Saturday and Sunday of the fair, mm. and then you go around and there's a checklist. And, you know, somebody who might have a chance for, maybe there's some incentive to have all the things checked off from all the different people. Like a passport. Yeah. 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 And mm. uh, like, like I said, the idea of like the vendors, it, 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 there's always, there's some vendors that are just showing off cool stuff. And then there's some vendors that are a little salesman-y. I don't I don't know what the what the cure is, but the idea of like being pitched all these things, I guess that's just life and that's what we do on YouTube. I mean it's just life and there's nothing really, it's just the way it is. But the things I like most about Make Affair are, you know, like the walking lobster trap and the steam engine guys and the cool burning man cars and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it, to me, even as an adult who knows these things, it always seems a bit mysterious to me, too. You know, like you see those crazy mm. cars. Like the car Adam stood in and did his pitch, uh, did his, his sum-up speech last week. Like, I want to know more about that car. And I guess it's just a matter of interacting with those artists. But I'm a little shy in some of those respects. Not not as much as I used to be. But in general, just like there's all these like different camps at Maker Fair. It would just be fun to see how they would all kind of come together i don't know i'm just spitballing yeah i mean it is a tough thing like if you look at the uh not from an attendee standpoint but from a all the people that are there to show things off so the people that bring homemade handmade stuff they you know they bring their project that they made that they just want to show off those people don't necessarily pay to be there they get the chance to be there to show their thing Mm -hmm. right and then you have the companies that pay to have a booth so that they can show the thing that they're trying to sell. And those are really two separate things, but you don't get the draw for the commercial side of it unless the uh, handmade people are there, but you don't have the funding to put the whole thing on just for the handmade people. You have to have the corporate side. And I think that's true. part of the, it's like part of the necessary thing is you have to have those two groups of people kind of wrapped together in the same space. Yeah. But people are coming for one or the other, probably, right? And yeah. They're not necessarily interested in both. But I don't know a way around that other than yeah. having, you know, some big title sponsor, mm-hmm. hint, hint, Lowe's, step in and just, like, th- Maker Fair is brought to you by Lowe's. And we are dumping a ton of money right. to make it possible for people to show off what they have and people to come and check out what they uh, what's yeah. being shown off. And that's, I mean, I hate to say it, but that's very pie in the sky. That's very, like... yeah. Sure wish some big company would just dump a bunch of money so we can go do something fun. I mean, that's really what we're asking for, yeah. right? And that's not very realistic, unfortunately. Right. And the other thing I was thinking, it would always be fun. I was always intrigued by the musical instrument guys. And, and I was kind of always saddened to see like one or two musical instrument guys just like under a tent to avoid the rain. Like this year was the guy with the didgeridoos and the, and the cool digital drums. That guy made amazing music. And he was just like yeah. a little like six by six tent, like on the edge of like one of the buildings, like people walking by him. I think handmade musical instruments and the people that make the music should have been a much bigger part of, you know, the fairs. And, and in time, I mean, there were years where they were, but I think it could be something that could be curated to like a big hall where, I mean, I guess you can't have a thousand instruments making music at the same time, but through <laughs> yeah. throughout the fair, if there were, you know, if there were guitar builders and... You know, people uh, playing guitars. And but to that out. point, I think one of the things that would make it better for me is to have like a scheduled um, 
music event. So maybe you do have bigger names. Maybe there's a maybe there's a comedian there, or maybe Adam Savage. Like there's one big keynote with with Adam Savage every year. Like what if there were more of more of that? So like. It, it turned into more, more of a Burning Man festival where there, there are performances that are scheduled, like so-and-so is playing at this time in this venue. And if we got the YouTube community more involved, I would like to see, like, there was other you, there was other content creators there that I wanted to see, but it was in this big, noisy room, and it was a little oh difficult God. to take the in. stages are doing. unbelievable. Like, I... Make so a fair, like I love you, but your stages room. are yeah. horrible. <laughs> it's like, and, let's um, have a well, Yankee game and put a theater right in the middle of the Yankee game with one wall. <laughs> <laughs> and like put something really interesting and be right on the very edge and try and hear everything with everything else at the same exact time. Sorry. So here's something that I think we can make a point about is it, it would be really easy to complain about the stuff that's happened in the past, right? But from what I understand... Maker Fair as a name, the licensing program has not gone away. And there are still fairs that are going to be happening at least this year. And they're using the name and they are still calling for makers. And that means these events have yet to happen and they're going to happen, at least for a while. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that I think the thing that's more productive is to like, how can we, as a community, not just the three of us, but how can we step up to our local fairs since the big flagships may be gone? They may be completely gone. How do we make the local fairs more of what they need to be to serve the local community so that people don't have to go to California or New York to have this experience? Like, how can we take small town, they're not many anymore, but small town maker fairs, how can we add value to those to make them better to fix some of the stuff that we saw? at the big ones that didn't work, you know, like I know Louisville is coming up. Yeah. The Louisville fair is coming up at the end of this year and in, in the fall. And I want to, I've even before all this, I wanted to try to make it better if I can be of help at all. And I've, I've already been started talking to some it. of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So we're going to try to make that one more robust and make it more enjoyable so that it can, I'm just not going to take the place of the big ones, but like it can be, locally the thing that the big ones can't be locally because they're mm-hmm. so big because they're so far away you know so like what are some ideas that we can add to well locally to let people kind of disseminate into their local fair i guess uh, that's a i think that's going to be a very personal thing with that particular city i think so toledo is going to have their uh i think it's their second mini maker fair and they have it happens at a place called the Imagination Station. It's like a, a little science uh, fair place, which is fun. And they make it an outdoor thing, and there's tents, and, and and that's cool. And then Detroit does theirs at the Henry Ford Museum, which is a really super cool place. And so I think it's it's important that they incorporate the community and like use something that's already established. And then it's getting involved with with the libraries and the schools and and trying to get it's got to be more of a community thing so i don't know how to broadly make the little mini maker fairs better because it's i think it's so personal with that particular city well i I yeah i agree i mean as far as like the 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 flavor of it yeah it's very local 
they should be local, right? That's what that's why I would want to travel to another city to go see their Maker Fair because it would be different than the one that's mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. right? I agree with that. But I think as far as like there's some action that we can take, it's super easy uh, to be a consumer in all things. Being a consumer is one of the easiest things in the world to just take. And so in the when you look at a Maker Fair or any event like that that's community-driven, it's super easy to go like, I want to go to that thing and take, and I want to see cool stuff and I want to leave when I'm ready to go and I want to not have to clean up after it and I want, you know, that's easy. It's harder to go there and say, I want to add value and be a thing, bring a thing that can be seen by the other people who don't have something to show, right? We have stuff to show. We have something to offer. And if you are in a community where there's a, a, a maker fair and you are a maker, you have some cool project or some sort of cool skill that, you know, you can share with other people. Instead of just being a consumer, take that extra time, that extra weekend or afternoon or whatever, and get a booth and show the thing that you do or the thing that you have. Because the more of those there are in a single place in a single weekend, the bigger the fair is. And the more encouraged people are going to be to come see it, right? If nobody goes, this is what happened in Louisville last year. There was barely anything to see. And so people may, if they went at all, they would show up for a couple hours and be like, well, I saw it all done. (laughs) I'm leaving and probably not coming back next year because there wasn't anything here. But like, if we can all take the initiative, if we have something to show to make those local fairs more robust, they're going to draw more people, which then draws more people to show things, which then draws more people, you know? And I mean, I don't know if Louisville's happening, but uh, like I said, I've been talking to the organizers and you know, if uh, it would be, it would be awesome if Adam Savage could go to every mini make affair and do the keynote speech, that would, (laughs) that would bring people in. If he was on the schedule for every single one of them, Adam, he listening. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Adam listens to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it would be, but like obviously he can't, right? So what are what are things that anybody can There could be, there could be an Adam Savage cosplay do. person that shows up at every mega fair. <laughs> okay, you do Adam Adam Con, so everyone comes as Adam, and one person at each fair comes as Adam. You got to apply, and if you look like him the most, then you get to do the keynote speech. You're joking, but you're making a good point, actually, because there is a certain amount of. Um, uh, imposter syndrome around in the maker community about like, well, I can't, and I feel this myself, this one bringing it up. I can't do this thing because so-and-so did it and they have a bigger platform than I do. And that, that often leads to Adam Savage because he's the most kind of prominent visible person in mm-hmm. our space. But like, <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are really talented that don't think they are worth talking about a thing or showing off a thing because they don't have a YouTube channel or they don't have an Instagram or they don't have a whatever. And they don't think, well, nobody's going to listen because they don't already know me. But like a local fair is the place to stand up in front of your peers, your local community and right. be like, Hey, look, you don't know who I am, but I do. I blacksmith or I craft this or I yeah. like to write or whatever. That's the place that you can do it. And actually, like connect to your local community. Yeah. It's different to go to the New York Maker Fair and be like, hey, I'm from Wichita and I um I make felted I don't know, food or something. You know, like that may not hit as well. But if you were in Wichita and you say, I make this thing, then people are felted gonna be like, food. Oh, you're local. We <laughs> you know what I mean. Something I, I think 
there's a the local fairs are a chance for you to actually be seen in your craft, even if you don't. You know what? You, have that, visibility. That already. reminds me. That's a, that's a good point, and it reminds me of at this maker fair we just attended. There was the. Did you guys take a close look at the train guys? Yes. Incredible, awesome. incredible, meticulous makers that make incredible scale trains. They had an incredible spot set up. I don't even remember what the answer was, but I said to the guy, I'm like, who set this up and who takes what part home? I mean, they had like a a train track that was probably 25 by 25, and they were inside that square, maybe maybe 15 by 20. And they were in the square, or like all the train guys, and on the outside edge of that 15 by 10 foot thing, there was an incredible train display of mini scale trains that had track switches and stuff. But every city's got a nerd group like that. And I say nerd affectionately that can show off at a mini maker fair and it's just digging and getting and coaxing. Like, no, those are all kind of older guys. They they seem like older guys in general. And they, they seem like the kind of guys that aren't on Instagram, probably vaguely on YouTube, but in a community like Louisville as an example, it would be nice if we could dig those people up, get them out from the shadows and bring interesting things like that to a maker fair. Yeah. I mean, I think most cities have some sort of a woodworking guild or club, like a turning club. Yeah, it needs know? to be opened up to and more than just like screen printed shirts and like nerdy electronics. That's what like the impression of Make a Fair is to a lot of people, because mm. that's like a prominent part. And, and I don't say get rid of that. Of course, that's a huge part of it. But we need to like market to people like bowl turners and woodworking clubs and older gentlemen like my dad's generation that have incredible work to share, but just don't because they're like not online, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's another side of it too. Like, in, you know, David, you were talking about the kids coming to the fair just to have something fun to do with their family. And I think that's a huge part of it um, because I know that I have shied away from taking my kids to even some of the regional fairs because there's not enough to occupy them hmm. during the day. You know, as young kids, when you get into the teenage years, they can be a little bit more interested in things that they, they can't touch, right? But as a young kid, if they can't touch it, then it's not necessarily that interesting. So, and I, and I understand the problem of scale. You know, if you make a, like, I want to make paper airplanes or whatever, and I want kids to be able to come make paper airplanes, that means I have to not just have, like, a few hundred sheets of paper. I have to have thousands and thousands of sheets of paper and Band-Aids for all the paper cuts and, you know, all the different stuff that goes with that. And so the more complex craft or thing that you do, the more volume you have to have of it to make it last through a weekend of a bunch of kids that are just funneling through. So I understand there's scale problems there, but... Can we think of some ideas real quick? This is a cool little brainstorming exercise that someone with relatively low financial input could create and bring <clears throat> that the kids could do. And maybe that's not something they take home. Maybe it's something they do and put back or I don't know, whatever. What you got? Well, one thing is, and this would build up interest in the months coming, uh, leading into it is having um, different various art shows. So you have your, um, junior high art show and your high school art show and people like you have to have something submitted months, months in advance. And then maybe there's a, this is the gallery showing for that. So you're not only, um, you're not only making something, 
but you're also you can't wait to show it off and so you're you're talking to your friends about it and you're 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 getting family to come and and check that out and so uh and kids like showing kids what they're working on right like kids like showing anybody what they're working on so that would be a a a cool way to to get the younger create a deadline create a gallery show you gotta have your artwork ready by this date yeah like low threshold to show um I like the make a fair basically is about planting seeds, right? This is, I'm giving you guys a, a setup for a pitch. Make a fair is about planting seeds. You bring your children there or you bring your adult self there and you say, Oh my God, look at that. That's like, Oh wow. That's, Oh wow. And I, I could do that. That's planting seeds. That's you. That's me. When I went mm-hmm. in 2012, 2013, I, I got into CNC. That planted the seed, me watching somebody laser cut, you know. I remember walking to the epilogue booth every year going, boy, someday. It's like me walking up to a, a you know, a brand new Chevy truck going, boy, someday. Wasn't that a commercial? And seeing that and going someday, and then I've obviously gotten there. And those were seeds that were planted. And I, I don't recall, I'm not saying I never it never existed, but has anybody ever done any planting at Maker Fair? If there was a booth where kids could literally plant a seed... I remember is that one of my early learning experiences hmm. is taking a seed and like putting it in like wet cotton and then watching that seed crack. And then you take that and you put it in a little dirt and then it grows up out of the dirt. And then you take that dirt and then you bring it and you plant it in the yard and you watch it and you watch it. So those things like that are intriguing on a science level and a making level for little kids. And so that's a metaphor. Yeah. They could plant a seed. So if there was music, woodwork. Metal work, which is kind of a little Burning Man-ish, but I, it's nice to see guys doing blacksmithing. I remember that the New York Fair this year, the blacksmith guys kind of won over the whole crowd. And they're like, oh, my God, why didn't we do something more like this in New York sooner? They had it in California, but the Modern Forge guys came this year, and it seemed like a big success. And But uh, among all that, and then also include gardening. I mean, I mean, I think I've seen some hydroponic stuff there, but that's complicated. I just want to see a seed. A little water and a dirt. You know, like you start hitting kids with hydroponics. They're like, what? I just want to make a plant, yeah. you know? So, I don't Well, I think, I, I mean, I, I think that's a great idea, but you also have to, <clears throat> when you lay something out like that, it's got to grab a kid. Like, you know, there has to be yeah. a thing that makes them take notice. And then they can be interested and find out. You know what it is? I mean, one thing. Home, but like a plant, plants growing is not a big action sport. <laughs> Action sport, I love it. But uh, no, no, it's just I'm just I'm just brainstorming up one thing, just as like kind of like a like a, an overall concept. Uh, but you know what always is intriguing, and I think it would catch kids' attention is if there was big screens, and the screens all had time lapses of plants growing. That's probably true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where you see like, oh my god, that's what's happening right here, super fast. So, okay, so let's review. Time-lapse plants, musical instruments, woodworkers, <laughs> metal workers, art show, and Adam Savage lookalikes. I think we're, we're all, we <laughs> all we need is everything. I think we're getting there. Custom cars, which is something that is could totally be. Well, they have like the burner cars, but like more custom cars. If there was like a cool custom car section where you had like you know a, like limited. To, I remember there was a couple like this race car. My buddy Desiree yeah. had his flying car there once. But it would be nice if. I guess it's just a matter of like, you know, the interaction, like, hey, guys, all car guys want to come and then two guys car, you know, it's. it's, it's well, I think that's a that's a, a regional thing as well, because I remember Caleb Kraft talking one time about I feel like it was in Kansas or something. There was some Midwestern ma- maker fair that had like a lowrider group was there and 
they just showed off all their crazy hydraulics and airbags and lifts and all the stuff that made their cars, you know. But that was like a big show within the Maker Fair in that one location because there was a big community around it. So that goes back to what you were saying, David, about the local flavor, mm-hmm. you know, I guess whoever's organizing local fairs just really has to kind of have their finger on the pulse of the local community and like, what's the thing here? You know, are there a lot of wood turners or train people or car people or whatever? And like take advantage of the fact that there's already a growing community there and use them as the draw, you know, to get people to the fair um, to hopefully see other stuff. That's, you know, and there's a big, um, there's a big craft show community and I don't know, maybe it's regional. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know that in, when we lived in Savannah, there were a lot of craft shows and there's a lot now down there. There's several around where we live now. And these are events that are scheduled, they're regular, and they are all about marketing, right? They're all about sales. They're all about people who make stuff, bring it there with the intention of sell it. People who go there, go with the intention of buying. That, and that's like the transaction is defined well ahead of time. I think part of the transaction of Maker Fair is kind of unknown because some people look at it as I hand make X. And so I want to take it there and maybe sell it. And then the next person's like, I hand make X and I really just want to show off the fact that I make it. And maybe other people will want to learn how to make it too. And then some people are like, well, we sell this thing and we manufacture this and this will enable you to make your X. And so there's all these different people that are coming to it, to the fairs for different reasons uh, from the presenter side. And then you have all the same people. Well, I mean, all the same reasons for people to come from the attendee side. And I think it's just unclear. And I think that makes it really hard to when you go to like a local, I don't know, car group or whatever. And you're like, hey, you should come to Maker Fair. And they're like, why? We're not going to sell our car. <laughs> Are we teaching people how to make cars? Are we? So I think there's just a lot of confusion yeah. about why people come and why people are there. The greatest show in town on any- earth. That's the name of the affair, which is still, it's, it's, it's a, a great title, the yeah. greatest show and tell on earth. How do you get that? But, I mean, it could help locally to, to be able to define that a little bit more or just say that what you just said, Jimmy, you know, <clears throat> to have a little more clear call to action about what this thing is or why you may want to be there on either side of the table. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That, it's tough. Like I, I totally see why they've had trouble getting it to stick everywhere and getting sponsors for it. It's, it's. I remember a couple of years ago they thing. they did have right. like, uh, uh, just for lack of a better description, the Etsy section where it was just all handmade. I remember Taylor was in there with me, so that was a few years back when she came last, uh, twenty sixteen maybe. Where when they had it this year, they had that area. Oh, they the did. bazaar. They have oh, it every year. Oh, I didn't even see it this year. <clears throat> but there was some cool stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not an easy uh, it's it's definitely a conundrum. It's not an easy solve. And it's complicated. But it is. And I think it's complicated enough that and the return from a fair is very loose, right? It's very uh, there's not like a financial return that I think like you don't put on a maker fair to like walk away with a profit and be like, "Yep, we did good this year, guys. You know, it's like you walk away from a maker fair going as a, as a organizer, you walk away going, well, we had a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one died. It's hard yeah. and <laughs> nobody right. died and like nothing burned down and like, we're good. And that, I mean, 
to be honest, that's a pretty hard sell to like, here, find a bunch of volunteers, do a lot of work and walk away with a good feeling, <laughs> you know? And that's a shame because it's, I feel the fair is, the idea of the fair is so important. And if we lose that, like if that falls apart, do you think make a, a fair scale? Do you think make uh, a fair? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, are you just like sigh? I was just, I was just uhing because oh. the the thought of it like disappearing. Well. Oh, because that coincided with me getting a text message. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, did I offend you? <laughs> um, what <laughs> I was going to say is, if Maker Fair now, just imagine this for a minute. If Maker Fair was like an Apple store, if like the way overpriced. No, not exactly, but <laughs> the idea of like <laughs> the idea of a place that's like always has cool cutting edge stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, I would say Microsoft Store, but I don't know. I see Microsoft Store and I just go complicated Android. No, thanks. Don't understand it. But with Apple, I see like a warm, welcoming technology that I'm like, oh, what's cool? What's new? What do they have on the shelf for the new cameras? What are the cool new hard drives? What are the cool new fancy wrapped cables, you know, like all the stuff that's like warm and fuzzy about being an Apple guy. That same marketing approach, whatever that is, it's, 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 it's not one simple word, but the idea of like a cool, slick place that's always evolving in every, you know, maybe there's five of them to start with across the United States. And Maker Fair is a state of mind. It is a spot. It is a community place. It obviously needs to make money. So there's products there. There's every 3D printer available that's ever been made. There's a cutting edge technology. There's people, there's a bunch of people with blue shirts with the little symbol on the thing. And they're all cool, hip people with like, you know, gauged ears and like tattoos on the back of their fingers. Hey, how can I help you? They make you feel all warm and fuzzy. And I'm half joking, but I'm half serious. And the idea that, you know, it's like when you look at, you know, the makeup of a of an Apple store. It's just like every person in the community is there. You have older people helping younger people, tattooed people, people of all cultures. And that's what I like about going into an Apple store is just that everybody's got the same great openness. And, hmm. it, you know, so taking Make a Fair and making it a retail shop. Hmm. But like the the coolest retail shop, the coolest show and tell retail shop, and then there's always an ongoing display of local artists that want to bring it in. Like, hey, you want to bring in your crazy cool dragon motorcycle? Bring it in, put it right in the middle of the store. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I think that's kind of like the that was the original intent. You know, they had the big fairs, the the initial make owned fairs, and they got to where they were running relatively smoothly and they had kind of a process down. They had all the marketing down and all that stuff. And then they started licensing, licensing it out to the mini fairs, which are locally run. And I think that was kind of the idea is like, here's the package with everything you need. Here's how we run it, whatever. And then as soon as you start giving control of something like that to a local uh, group of people, you know, it takes on local flavor and it takes on, the scheduling of the people that are available and how many volunteers they can get. And it's, it's just a different beast, right? It's a different group of people. It's a different ethos for the local community. And so, I mean, there's a lot of control loss and I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think that's, that's why like Apple, they are not locally run. If you take that as an example, that is, here is the package that local manager number one 
will put in place and it will look exactly like the next store and exactly like the next store. But you can go to two maker fairs anywhere in the world and there's very little that is common between them. And I think that's part of the allure for electronic interest for them. Well, yeah. I mean, there's 3D printers at all of them. No, I'm just saying that's like everyone's but, impression. Uh, uh, another thing that uh, I don't know how this plays into it <clears throat> exactly, but when you think about scarcity, that has a lot to do with, um, okay, I'll take a nerd thing that I'm familiar with that you guys may not be. The celebration, Star Wars Celebration Conference, it's like a Star Wars con thing. It's happening, I think now they're back to every year, but for a little while it was every two years. And it's never in the same place, <clears throat> two years in a row. It's like in Orlando, and it's in Chicago, then it's in London, now it's in the on the West Coast. There's scarcity there because if somebody can't travel all over the world anytime they want to, they have to wait till that thing is near them. And it's not going to be every year. It's going to be every two years or whatever. And so when they get a chance to go to that thing, they go. And it doesn't matter what movie's coming out. It doesn't matter who, what actors are going to be there. They go to the thing because they love Star Wars or they love the property and they have the opportunity to get to this event, right? <clears throat> so Maker Fair. The good side of having them everywhere all the time is that there's probably one within, you know, 100 miles, 200 miles of you every couple of months. The bad thing is that there's one within 200 miles of you every couple of months. And if you don't feel like going, there'll be another one in a few months that you can go to that one. And so it cuts down the scarcity is not there. So it cuts down the the immediacy of like having to like, I got to go to the thing. Cause this is my chance to go to the thing. That's a really good point. Cause that's what happened with our classes this year. We ended up posting like 10 classes for here at the house and everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to eventually make it up there. But when I posted one class each summer, it sold out in 10 minutes. The fact that I put up so many of them, people are like, Oh, eventually I'm going to make it there as if I have a scheduled class every single weekend, which I don't. I still have, now we have scheduled. We had to cancel two of them due to low enrollment. Others sold completely out, but it took a little bit of finesse. So the point I'm making is yeah. I agree with you that scarcity is is one thing. But going back to the store concept, oh, wait, let me ask one question. Is the term, and right now we're going to publish this term, it's going to be owned by us, MakerCon? Is there a MakerCon right now? There was a MakerCon that was actually put on by Make, and it was the kind of pre-Maker Fair conference for professional, like for the companies that are making things right. and selling things. Because MakerCon, if, if, if Maker Fair came back and rebranded as MakerCon, it's it's a little bit more of like mainstream. Like Maker Fair, obviously they branded it, but now it needs a new face if it comes back, when it comes back. If it came back as MakerCon, it's a conference of makers and people that make. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it's like a little bit, it seems to me a little bit more, it's like a renewed version of Maker Fair. Fair reminds me of cotton candy and clowns and like as a, as a middle-aged single man, you know, might go, you know what, I'm not going to go to the Maker Fair. I know what a balloon is. I know what cotton candy is. But Maker Con is a different state of mind. Kids are knowing con because there's all kinds of comic book cons, Comic Con, of course. And, you know, the, the, the suffix con has become a thing that everybody's, it's ingrained in popular society, con, maker con. So mm -hmm. that's one thought. And then the idea is if another, uh, so that's one, park that thought. Second thought, if they took tech shop and maker fair and combine them and you'd have your local maker fair or maker con shop, that's it, maker, maker <laughs> con shop. <laughs> Hearing this okay. in live action, people. This is happening in real time. <laughs> MakerCon shop. Hold on. 
okay, I got it. I got the URL, MakerCon shop. No, the idea, the idea that like, unfortunately, tech shop has gone away. And I know it meant a lot of things to a lot of people. And now Make Affair is going away. And of course, it meant a lot of things to a lot of people. If we could combine those two concepts, get somebody with a deep pocket and make that happen, you'd have that Apple shop in every city. I'm fantasizing here, by the way. You guys are both looking at me like I have three yeah. heads. Yeah. If you had that 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 community section in every city, you have MakerCon brick and mortar. And then it's like an ongoing thing. And then maybe, you know, obviously mm. it has some local, 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 local homegrown feeling to it because you have a gallery space in every one of these places that's open to the community. You have a, a Sunday afternoon where it's open to families. Like it, it, that carnival atmosphere, and I know it ain't easy, could kind of be ever present where like every Saturday morning, there's going to be some guy with his new instrument playing guitars while people have brunch, you know, like the feel of like an Ikea. Yeah. Like the feel of like a farmer's market or like an Ikea that every weekend come rain or shine, you know, you can go to the maker fair brick and mortar spot. And it's always going to be that. I don't know. I mean, Hmm. the idea of like a fair with tents and it's going to be rainy and it's going to like you putting all your eggs into this basket of this Sunday afternoon sometime in July and then a tornado comes and seven tenths blow across the field. That's what makes Maker Fair to me feel so like, you know, grassrootsy, which is nice. But to take it to another stage, again, just fantasizing that we can snap our fingers and have you know every major city have yeah. a have a Maker Fair con shop. <laughs> Maker Fair con shop is getting longer and longer. Makerfairconshop.net because the other ones are do taken. <laughs> so i don't know well, you guys have any other brainstorm any other big ideas for okay let's sum what up maker fair could be adam savage lookalikes uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know there's of course i would love it if everything came back to normal and everything just somebody infused make with money and like the magazine was back and the fairs were back and they were like <clears throat> Everything went back to what it was. That's probably not realistic. Something will have to change. And my real concern in, is just that, and like I said this a few weeks ago when we heard about the fair maybe going away, is that the trickle-down effect is having a loss at the top of something, it takes more. But as soon as the top is gone, the trickle-down is fast. And I don't think the local fairs, at least under that branding or that idea or the infrastructure, I don't think they're going to last if there's no top level fair somewhere, even if it's one every five years, like without that kind of head to the thing, I'm pretty sure it's all going to fall away. And that's the thing that really bums me out. Um, now, like I mentioned before, I think if we, as a community, <clears throat> as people who make stuff of any kind of any, at any level, if we can step up to our local fair and kind of inject ourselves into it and inject what we do to help it succeed, that's going to help that trickle down slow, I hope, you know, and maybe some of the local fairs can become their own big thing that can stand alone. But I think it's up to us. Like the top level's gone at this point. The infrastructure for, you know, that we've all been kind of leaning on and pulling from is gone. And I don't, I don't mean to sound like, 
down and bummed out about it, but I think it's up to us now if we want this thing to survive. If we want the mm. movement to yeah. continue to be present in front of people and continue to draw in kids and continue to encourage people to make stuff, I think it's up to us. Maybe that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a bummer, but maybe that's not bad. It just puts a little more um, responsibility on all of us to be a bigger part of our local community. You know, yeah. that's probably good that's in the good. long run. Um, you guys got anything else on this? I don't want to beat the horse. No, that's well, it. It's I just, already dead. I, I am looking forward to hearing people tweet at me, and I want to hear what ideas other people have. What? Yeah. If you've been there, what would make it better? If you haven't been there, what is your? What do you think it is? Because you, 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 it might you might be way off, and so Let, and let's be honest. Let's think. and if you're going to tweet at us about this concept, be brutally honest. What is it? If you've been to a fair, what is it you didn't like about it? What is it that you do like about it? And maybe that could be part of a rebirth somehow, some way. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, all right. Well, you guys got anything you want to recommend for this week, or you want to talk about what you've been working on? We didn't do any of that. I don't really have anything interesting to say in that regard. So. Uh, I did a cool table for Guinness beer. I got a gig last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call from, again, this is like we plant seeds in our fan base. We don't know who's watching, but somebody that was, is directing a commercial for Guinness beer said to one of his producers, oh, call this guy. He's a good guy on YouTube. I like watching him. And I got a call and huh. an email first over the bow was the first fire. And, uh, Hey, do you, can you make a table in three minutes? We need a table like this big slab table you made. And, it's like, wow, that slab took me like months to prepare. I'm like, well, you need it by Monday. What can we do? So we <laughs> drummed up, and uh, you guys might have been following my Instagram stories. I do, I do have a video on it, which uh, I will publish as soon as they give me the green light. And I did an interesting technique, which I've seen at Maker Fairs and Maker Central. Uh, Vectrix does this technique where you could V-carve a negative and then V-carve the positive and then marry them together with glue and then sand them. And you have a a V-shaped wood inlay, so no matter how deep you sand it, it's still there. And I did that technique for the first time on a $500 slab of walnut. I swallowed hard and then hit go on the computer <laughs> and engraved <laughs> engraved it. And then I had to do a second engraving because the 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 the, the slab was a bit bouncy, so it was a three oh. it was a three layer carve. And and the st- there were steps on the wall of my V carve, and so I had to shore up the slab and then send it to cut one more time. Mm. I gulped five times as harder the second time because now I'm about <laughs> to, I'm already like in the woods, I'm in the weeds with this thing, and I'm about to go into the woods. Anyway, it all worked <laughs> out it, it, for a commercial shoot that's going to happen tomorrow. The table got picked up this morning at seven thirty. Went down to Baltimore. Everything looks good. There's not enough time for the paint to dry, but they're going to polish and and sand it down there. I put a couple coats of polyurethane on it. But that was a, a, a fun, interesting build. Again, the phone rings. I always get these jobs that need to be done in 20 minutes. But it's uh, so far so good. We'll see if the truck makes it to Baltimore without falling in the river. We're going to be good. <laughs> is, is that a big concern? The truck's falling in the river? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You never know. It's a crazy world out there. <laughs> it's true. So if all goes well the day that this podcast was released i'll be releasing a video on the world's fanciest trash can uh, we're, <laughs> we're we're remaking the 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 trash 
receptacle bin thing that you would see at like a at a fast food restaurant with a little flappy thank you thing in the front and a little tray holder on top. I'm making one for the shop and a uh, I'm going to pick up materials today. So if they have the walnut plywood that I want, it'll probably be made out of out of walnut. And where the, the little flappy door says thank you, I'm trying to come up with a like a marquetry inlay fancy type thing so we'll see we'll see so that's uh that's supposed to come out this friday teeth and tongue like this cool <laughs> little monster mouth yeah um so we did uh, the video this week is really just fun um we were <laughs> we were talking about axe throwing and how you know it's like a thing now that people go do uh, there's like places where you can go and just throw axes at targets and stuff. Oh, that's another um, thing. Make a fit needs axe throwing. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that seems like a pretty, pretty uh, ideal thing for it. Actually, so we were talking about like, well, that's kind of a bummer for kids. Kids can't go axe throwing, and like, hey, we should make axe throwing for kids. So we made an axe throwing for kids thing for the video this week, and it's really silly and fun and easy, but it actually works. And the kids had a lot of fun throwing oh, these cool. axes in the backyard. So. Uh, that's coming up. Do you guys have any uh, recommendations? Oh, let me thank our Patreon supporters. And then if you have anything that you want to tell anybody about, you can. Big thanks to Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Caleb Harris, Modern DIY, and Make, Build, Modify. Uh, They're our top supporters, but everybody over on Patreon... Uh, we're really grateful for your support, and everybody gets the after show, which is just more of us talking. I don't know what we're going to talk about today, because we haven't talked about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about something. We're going to brainstorm up maker, con, brick, mortar, shop, bowlers. <laughs> okay. It's alternate names for maker, con, fair, shop. <laughs> um, if you want to help maker out the show. Shop. Sorry. Maker, yeah. If you want to help out the show, we would really appreciate it. And go to Patreon.com/slash/MakingIt and help us out at any level, or don't. That's cool too. Either way, all good. Yeah. You guys got anything you want to tell anybody about? Yeah. Anything cool? Yes. I am going to promote Mark's book this week. Oh yeah. I got mine sitting right here. Yeah, it's really good. It's well put together. Um, I'm a little biased because. It's on the same publisher that I make my books on, but it's um, it's a it's a great all in one place for joinery. So you, if you're gonna watch YouTube videos, you're gonna have to watch a dozen YouTube videos, and you might go through ones that don't uh, th- that don't fit with you. So this is a great all in one place if you want to learn woodworking joinery. And I've got two copies. There's a I've got a. a, a um, a paperback and and then a hard copy copy. Um, so I'm going to give one of them away. I haven't figured out how to give one away yet, but I will. I'll probably use Jimmy's idea of just writing a number on my hand and the first person to guess that mm. number will get it. So I'll do that on, on Instagram in the next couple of weeks. And Mark's a good cool. dude. Yeah. You got anything, Jimmy? Um, it's funny. I, lately, Taylor and I have been kind of bonding over... Uh, an Instagram channel and it's Brian Watan. He's a stylist from San Francisco. I don't know how I met him. I was researching Levi's a few years ago and somehow I found him. We've chatted a little bit over the last couple of years, very little, but he's, uh, 
he's he's somehow he's involved in the garment business but his his instagram feed is really funny because he 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 reposts uh like some type viral youtube clip like instagram clips and and little stuff and it's it's interfused with his own personal style and his life and his record collection and his car collection and and just funny pop culture stuff and he and he puts really funny uh, captions under a lot of the images so taylor and i always send his stuff back and forth and go check him out brian watain a w i t a n he's in san francisco i believe mm. you have to send me a link to that one because i can't spell that <laughs> <clears throat> cool um so i we've talked about the essential craftsman before oh yeah but um yeah and he's he's got some great stuff but I, i've had one of his videos in my watch later for a long time and i finally got around to watching it and it's a no weld forge and so he came up with this design for a, to build a small forge with no welding and you don't have to have any special tools like a grinder and a cutoff disc um but i finally got around to watching it and it was really cool and it honestly i don't know anything about forges and i just kind of assumed that you needed more I don't know what you, I thought you needed for it, but you don't need anything for it. And when after watching his video, I'm like, oh, well, this is really simple and easy. And he made, you know, a really s- simple little tool. But I think even more important for me, it was seeing that tool being made from start to finish made me realize that there's really nothing to it. And I should not be so, you know, I just got more familiar with it. Yeah. So it was, it was useful uh, to me in those two different ways. But I think if you're looking to build a forge, which I may, I may end up buying one. I don't really know, but it's a really good, simple process that he lays out and shows you everything you need and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I'll put a link to that one. Go check. He it also out. has some He's great tip good. videos on using some basic carpentry tools. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've not watched a lot of his stuff. I've seen a few of them, but I like the fact that he's. He's just kind of no nonsense, but he's also not like no nonsense from the I can do everything and I'm going to show you how I do it. He's not like that. He's like, hey, this is really easy. If you have any sense at all, you should be able to figure this out. Let me show you what I do. You know, you know what's great? Like real- what's, I, I believe his name is Scott. What's great about him is that he is like a mutual of Omaha warm. Like <laughs> his voice sounds like like when we were kids, it's like watching nature videos produced by Disney. He's got the most amazing voice. Like this guy is—he is, he is a, an absolute voiceover artist that happens to be a carpenter that shares his knowledge. So it's—it's it's like it's an absolute relaxing pleasure to listen to him describe anything because of his voice. Yeah, it's like the minute he talks, you hear like the guitar strumming and the, like the leaves in the bird. Like <laughs> even when you're with him when he talks, you probably could hear music starting slowly in the background. He's got an incredible voice yeah. and an incredible presentation. He's just, he's like an all around pro for camera. That's just a pure natural. Yeah. It's good stuff. So go check him out. All right. You guys got anything else? That's it. We're going to go to the after show and I want to talk to David about shorts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> somebody saw my Facebook post. <laughs> yeah, somebody did. All right. Um, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll, love you. we'll see you next time. Love you. Bye. Uh, later.